right, welcome back to the big program. Eight o'clock, that means it's time for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. As we welcome in Mark Spector from Rogers Sports Net. Good morning, Spec. How was your Thanksgiving weekend? Hello, Spec. How's that sound? Uh, we got you now, baby. How you doing, buddy? Uh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was great. Yeah. Had a big turkey dinner yesterday with uh, some family, and uh, it was an awesome day. Beautiful weekend out, uh, out in the nature. Yeah, couldn't be better, man. The weather here, it's like we're getting treated. So let's enjoy it. So you do the uh, the turkey on Monday? Is that how you kind of do it, or just the way it worked out? Well, it's a long story. Our kids are our kids are spread out all over the place, so mm-hmm. we couldn't put them all around the same table. And then we took an invitation. Uh, our son married a uh, a young lady who's got a giant family, so they took us <laughs> in on Monday, and that's when they do their thing. So oh. we went and had a turkey dinner, two turkeys, a ham. Oh. It was like. 20 people or more, lots of little kids running around. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. Beautiful day. And we were very thankful on Thanksgiving. For sure. That's what it's all about. Family and good food. Maybe a little uh, little red wine here and there, you know, and then. Yeah, a glass of wine for sure. Yeah. And then everyone's, you know, you kind of you eat too much and you probably have a, maybe a couple too many glasses of red and everyone's sort of a little, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, you're just kind of moping about. That's how how it happens, I guess. <laughs> you know. oh it's a great great way to spend it and uh, i'm pumped it's hockey season oh. i'm getting on a plane for vancouver today and uh here we go baby let's go i was just gonna say so uh you're ready to roll you got your passport and now you're off uh, to vancouver what time's your flight and uh i guess are you gonna do some stuff with the canucks when you get out there and things as well yeah no no i'm flying not flying till about three i want to oh, get to okay. the orders practice they practice at 11 yep so. so if I play my cards right, I can get the orders practice and then uh, get some stuff written before I hop on the plane. So it's uh, nice. It'll be it'll be a nice place to open the season. It matters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice to be in a town like Vancouver, any Canadian city, oh. when we're opening the season because you get there and there's a buzz, right? It matters. Canucks fans are as excited about the season starting as Oilers fans, maybe in a different way. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a good hockey town and, and they're going to be talking hockey out there for sure. They will be, and uh, it's just it's again the maybe just because the captain skates were you know a couple of weeks and we've just been cu- talking about a lot of stuff and just kind of waiting to get yep. going here. So uh, we do we get underway tomorrow night. The NHL starts tonight with a big game, Chicago and Pittsburgh, uh, three on the docket, and then tomorrow the Oilers are in uh, Vancouver. Uh, Roger Sportsnet's uh, Mark Spector joins us on the Kevin Carey Show on fourteen uh, forty. So. Did anything surprise you as far as waivers goes? Uh, I mean, everyone cleared. That's all good for the organization. But uh, did any anything surprise you there, Spec? Well, you know, the cap. One of the ancillary things that we we probably didn't talk enough about, um, you know, in the media and on our show and things. When you're this tight to the cap as the orders are, mm-hmm. a, an injury like Niemelainen that forces you to keep that player on the payroll because he's injured, you can't send him down. Yeah. Uh, that almost cost them a guy like Lavoie. He had, they had to expose him. And if it wasn't Lavoie, they would have to expose someone else. Whereas I think we pretty much all agree that exposing Niemelainen to waivers, no one would have worried about losing him. So 
you know, there's a lot, there was some criticism at first. And then I think most of the Oilers fans who kind of look into things figured it out pretty quick. Mm -hmm. They didn't have much choice here. The choice would have been, do you expose Ryan or do you expose Yanmark, let's say, instead of Lavoie. And the Oilers took the gamble on Lavoie and he made it through. So, uh, lucky them, good for them. They made the right decision, I guess, huh? I would think so. And I mean, everything, um, I, I honestly thought, I mean, we've talked about it. You were sort of on the fence with uh, Lavoie getting claimed. I thought he was going to get claimed by Montreal. I just, I just, you know, being the French Canadian kid, good contract, things like that. But I mean, it's a, it's a bonus for the organization to keep him here now. Uh, he's, you know, he's still got lots of seasoning, lots of work to do uh, down in the minors, but um what about the fact of um, uh, just on defense? Are you any concern that you know Matthias Ekholm hasn't played any games? Just kind of getting up and running. Are you? Uh, does that bother you at all? And any worry there, or just a, an old veteran kind of getting ready to go as the season starts? I mean, it's not ideal that he hasn't played mm-hmm. an exhibition game, preseason game. But I'm not in any way worried about that. Kulak's coming off an injury too, but it sounds like he's feeling a lot better. Um, you know, they both skated yesterday full participants in practice i assume they both will be today that would be a bad news if one of them mm-hmm. wasn't so you know what they're both veteran guys could they use a game sure they could use a game is it going to make a huge difference i don't think it's you know it's not that big a deal listen you got to be happy that neither guy is injured to an extent that he can't play as long as they're playing i'm fine with it you know mm-hmm. I, i'd be a lot more concerned about the order's defense if the season started and echo and kulak were both on the shelf and not coming off uh does that level of concern uh worry at all with ryan mcleod again uh, just kind of easing himself into to action here well, there you go, right? You, I, I want to question, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to question here maybe a few things, like eight preseason games, <laughs> you know? No. Guys are getting injured. Do we need eight preseason games? I see a bunch of teams only played six. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Do we really need eight preseason games as we watch the Oilers go into their season with three guys already dinged up? Do we need, you know, the, the captain skates start early and they're – basically presided over by Oilers coaches. I know they're not supposed to, and and the PA says, oh, no, no, it's only the players. Well, it's not only the players, right? It's everybody. So do we really need captain skates that start over a month ago from today? I think they started on the 6th. Yeah. And then we went straight into training camp and eight preseason games, and here we are. It's the 10th of October. We got three guys dinged up. Do we need all this? You guys are in such great shape in the summer are we overplaying the hand here are we overtaxing these guys that would be my question well we've talked about it again because it's funny we've been talking about it for the two three plus weeks right because that's what we got nothing else to do but talk about it the fact that they've been starting so early, <laughs> right so we're getting tired yeah. of talking about it so um what do you make of the uh, goaltending situation heading into tomorrow night well if i'm not uh, incorrect Jay Woodcroft has not declared a starter, correct? Yeah, he has not yet. No, I would imagine he's yeah, he, he in his not. mind so, he has it. But, uh, listen, yeah. uh, my I think it's clear. This was a you know it's a meritocracy. This was a job that was everyone said was wide open. I, I I've got the quote saved uh, from Jay Woodcroft, and he said it in plain English. He said it's an open competition for the first start in Vancouver. He never said the guy who starts in Vancouver is his number one all year. He never said any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not going past the first game. And you can split the Wednesday and Saturday games if you want. Or 
you know, whatever you want to do, but the open competition is for that start Wednesday in Vancouver. And in my opinion, I, I don't think there's any, any argument across Oilers nation who was the sharper goalie mm-hmm. in the preseason. Jack Campbell's numbers are way better. And I'm not saying Skinner was poor by any means. This isn't anti-Skinner. He's a good young goalie, mm-hmm. and he might yet take the job this year. But if we're going off training camp, I don't see how you look at it and not give the start to Campbell. The, I, I just don't see it. There's no evidence that says Skinner was better in preseason than Campbell was. Mark Spector, Kevin Carius on Sports 1440. Actually, you know, Speck, uh, uh, on the game on Friday, I went and I uh, sat in the stands behind uh, – Campbell in the second period and really just kind mm-hmm. of focused on Campbell just watching him and man it was it's like night and day compared to last year how he was moving in the in the goal how I thought he stood up a little bit more uh than normal and when he yeah. was down he was big bigger you know he he wasn't making himself small and I think we saw a lot of that last year so I mean again it's a it's a simple thing and I in my if these guys can just push each other I mean that's a great problem to have Oh, listen, you need two goalies. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in the playoffs, I think, you know, another team comes along last year with the Florida Panthers. Bobrovsky wasn't the starter when the playoffs began, right? Mm-hmm. But he ended up jumping into the breach and taking them all the way to a Stanley Cup. So you you need it all year. You need it in the playoffs. You need the option in the playoffs. If a guy gets hurt or if a guy gets a little cold, you need the chance to say, hey, we got another guy we trust. It makes you such a stronger team if you've got two guys. I think we've learned in hockey, you don't need two guys that are, you know, of the uh, pedigree of, say, a Connor Hellebuck or a Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. You just need guys that can play behind a good defensive team. You know, it, it was Thompson and Aiden Hill who came to the rescue last year in Vegas. They want to stand the cup. Neither of those two guys, if you put them on waivers, I'm not sure either guy would get picked up tomorrow. So, yeah. you know, I've seen lots of guys win Stanley Cups who have zero pedigree. It's not about pedigree, but having a couple guys, having the right guy at the right time, and if you've got two to choose from, I like your chances a lot better than if you're running one guy. Well, and again, it's making the most of uh, your opportunity. We saw that with Vegas uh, last year for sure. What do you make of the Vancouver Canucks heading into tomorrow's game and then uh, the return engagement on Saturday here? Uh, What do you think about this uh, Canucks team that the Oilers will face uh, in the first two games? Well, they're, you know, they're close. They're a bubble team. I think that's fair to say. They're a bubble team. I don't have them as a playoff team. Uh, They are, they are heavily dependent on Thatcher Demko in goal. Uh, the last two years have been sour for him, and it's been sour for the team. Every team counts on their goalie. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to be – you're yeah. not a genius when you say they need Demko to be good. Of course they do, right? Of course they do. Yeah. But they don't have a second guy that I think you'd turn the ball over to and expect to win games, not behind that team. Demko blew out his um, groin, I believe it was, last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's supposed to be back and supposed to be healthy. But the team, you know – I'm going to say to you, Kev, like you look at the Oilers, they're a really good team. Yeah. They'll win games with average goaltending if that's what they get because they're good enough. Vancouver isn't, right? Vancouver's not good enough. I think they're too small. Like most of – they got a couple guys with size, sure, but most of their best players are small, small, small players. I think they're looking – I'm not big on their defense, and I think it's a pretty much a fact here that, of course, they got Quinn Hughes who yeah. might win a Norris Trophy this year. 
but I don't think they have a partner for him. I don't think they have a guy that can play, you know, that can go 25 minutes next to Quinn Hughes. I'm not sure how that's supposed to work. So, you know, that's an issue for sure. Uh, I don't know about their depth forwards. Do they have enough there? And and do they fulfill certain roles? Or are they just a bunch of guys that are filling out a lineup that really, you know, in their wildest dreams, they're top six players, but they're not. So we're going to shove them on the bottom six. When I say that, Kev, I'm saying, I'm looking at the Oilers. Their bottom six guys are bottom six guys. Like Ryan, he's a solid fourth liner. Yanmark, he's a solid fourth liner, right? You know, Holloway's on his way up. McLeod's turned into a nice third-line center. Uh, Fogel, he's a third-line guy all day long. He knows what his role is. That's what he is. He's not a guy who wants to be on the first line all the time. Mm-hmm. He's a depth forward, and that's what's going to make Eminem better, and I think that's where Vancouver might suffer a little bit. Do you like what about what about Elias Pettersson? Some people are saying he, this guy could get fifty. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a wonderful player. He's got a great shot. Um, can he get fifty goals? Can he be the guy that you know that maybe pushes this team over the hump and gets them into a playoff position? Well, he's going to help because he's a fantastic talent. Yeah. Like he's just such a good player. He's got a wrist shot that's just a cannon. Uh, yeah, you know, can he get fifty? I guess to me, I'm going to ask you how, you know, I'm going to ask you how good a season Kuzmenko has because they're going to play together. He's another good player, you know, another good player. He's, he's short, but he's stocky. Um, You know, what do they have? I I guess I got to ask you that. What do they have? Can you focus on, on Elias Pettersson at even strength and not be worried about anybody else burning you? I can recall when the Oilers didn't have much beyond McDavid and Dreisaitl and the good teams could figure that out a little bit, right? The good teams could beat you because you couldn't beat them with anybody else but two players. That might be where Vancouver's at a little bit. I'm not sure they got enough around Patterson, mm-hmm. but as an individual player, holy man, he's a fantastic guy. With him and Quinn Hughes, I'm, no question you can build a franchise around them. Uh, for the Oilers, is there any team that, as far as their top six goes, now with Connor Brown coming in, adds that, uh, you know, you know, even look at last year. I mean, Kyler Yamamoto almost got, you know, given – that six forward spot many, many nights. Uh, he's in, he's in tough to make Seattle's roster right now. Um, yeah. But if you look at the Oilers top six, uh, is there anyone, are they the best in the league right now? Well, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a, a top six, like they have in Colorado. They got a lot of good players on there. Mm-hmm. Are they better than Edmonton? They're not better than Edmonton. No, you know, we could sit down and, and, you know, pour a cup of coffee and talk about if they're as good. I'm not sure we'd agree on that. Yeah. Uh, there's none better than Edmonton's. You know, it's hard for me to come out without the season starting and I haven't seen where everyone's playing everyone. It's hard for me to say, yeah, Edmonton's got the best for sure. But I'll tell you what, it's, I can't think of one that's better. Yeah, right? I mean, me neither. You, know, yeah. you got the two best players in the game. Mm-hmm. You got two grinders in Hyman and Connor Brown who can both score goals. You got a guy like Kane when he's who can snipe from distance, and a guy like Nugent Hopkins who is a top six player on every yeah. team in the National Hockey League. I don't see how you could have a better one than that, Kevin. I don't either, for sure. Um, well, thanks for this, right. Beck. Uh, do, do you take? Uh, do you get a couple turkey sandwiches to, to take to Vancouver in your little knapsack, or how do you work? Uh, what's that all about? <laughs> I did not. No, I left the leftovers behind last night. Oh. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of guys that work harder than me going to work today that needed those sandwiches more than I do. What, what are you? Are you? Uh, are you a male guy with the turkey, or what? What are you doing? 
Oh yeah, if I'm making a turkey sandwich yeah. this morning, it's got it's got plenty of mayo, it's got some stuffing, and it's got a little cranberry sauce in oh, it. Oh well, come on, sure. really? Hopefully, hopefully, oh yeah, hopefully on a piece of rye, a couple pieces of rye bread if I can. Oh man, for you, sure. You and and uh, dark meat's better than white meat. <laughs> you you and the Duke putting that cranberry? Is he, are you just taking it out of the can too and just spooning it on there or what? Oh, whatever it takes, man. Like, listen, I'm not picky. I'm just a guy making a turkey sandwich here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, have a safe trip to Van Speck, and we'll see you down at the rink here in the next little bit. All right. Talk okay. Tomorrow. That's uh, Mark Spector on the mark, energized by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice when we come back. Frank Saravalli, our headliner of the day on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, time now for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. They are sports fans like all our listeners and are pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Morning, Frank. How are you today? Pretty good, Kevin. Uh, after 748 days of the preseason, <laughs> God said, let there be real hockey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm here in Pittsburgh to watch Connor Bedard's <sighs> debut tonight against Sidney Crosby and the Penguins. Oh, uh, you're a pretty lucky guy for sure. Uh, what's the what's the vibe like for that game, I guess, uh, heading in, Frank? The expectations are high. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins have had a Stanley Cup final-like media throng descend upon the Steel City. <laughs> and, yeah, I think everyone's really curious after an excellent preseason how does Connor Bedard fare in his first game? And there's a lot of interesting parallels, of course, connecting the dots, Sidney Crosby, uh, you know, 2005 in the same exact position, all the expectations and weight on him. He played against a lot of guys that he idolized growing up. And now it's his turn to, kind of feel that same thing for Connor Bedard. You know, uh, Frank, I remember when Sidney Crosby came here for his first game against the Oilers and they had a media availability at the Hotel McDonald. Uh, but they brought him out and here he was, you know, just 18 years old. Uh, there are so many parallels to what we're going to see, I guess, moving forward with Connor Bedard. Uh, how do you think uh, this kind of plays out uh, starting off to tonight with this uh, young phenom sensation? So I just... You know, I, I hate to pile on with the expectations, but I just published my 32 bold predictions for the season on dailyfaceoff.com this okay. morning. And the first one is Connor Bedard scores 100 points. People are saying, come on, that hasn't happened in forever. Well, yeah, not since Crosby. <laughs> and, oh, he can't do it as an 18-year-old on a bad team. Yeah, Crosby did it as an 18-year-old on a bad team. The Penguins had 58 points that year. Uh, they were dreadful, 29th in the league, and he didn't have the talent surrounding him that the Blackhawks have put around Connor Bedard. And so if you want an interesting Edmonton tie-in, mm -hmm. well, you've got Taylor Hall on the wing of Connor Bedard, who not only has been a number one overall pick himself, but has also helped shepherd in another number one overall pick in Connor McDavid. So um, I think it's a big year for Bedard. I think he's, you know... In, in very a very short period of time, my bold prediction is that only Connor McDavid will stand ahead of him as the best player in the league. Wow, that's some heady, heady stuff for sure. Uh, Frank Saravalli, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. What kind of synchronicity have you seen so far with uh, Bedard and Hall together? Oh, I think there's this one clip that's been floating around. I think it was actually from a 
practice during training camp where Bedard scoops up the puck in his own end just at the top of the circle and he throws this 100-foot pass that's in the air and drops on a dime like dropping in a a quarter in a (laughs) Coke machine from 20 yards away. And it's just beautiful. Lands right on Hall's stick and he's in alone. Like, you know, I was talking to Blackhawks GM Kyle Davidson yesterday and everyone knows about Connor Bedard's shot. They know about, you know, now his skating, they're learning. It's, it's pretty impressive, but it's also the vision. He sees things and is able to digest them almost as quickly as anyone else. Mm -hmm. And Taylor Hall was saying yesterday that he thinks Bedard is, you know, he he saw Connor McDavid. He said, not since McDavid have I seen an 18-year-old this ready to step right into the NHL. You know, when you're talking about that play, you can almost see for like just that split millisecond, the the expression of Hall going, did did that just happen, right? You know what I mean? Like uh, he he made this play. practice. Yes, you know, he made this play, but then, you know, then he carried on with the the rest of it. So Um, what else is kind of... The vision is there. Yeah. The, The physical maturation is there. Uh, the, I think line mates, Taylor Hall, you know, Ryan Donato is probably going to be on that line to start. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that can finish, you know, if need be, you could elevate Corey Perry or Nick Foligno in the lineup. They've got some different options. Are the Blackhawks in for another lean year? The answer is yes, but this is the beginning of Bedard mania. Mm -hmm. This is the, the dawn of a new era for the Blackhawks after, turning the page from Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and their three Stanley Cups. Yeah, for sure. Frank Saravalli is our guest on Sports 1440, our headliner of the day. Uh, Frank, you had a couple of uh, posts on social media just regarding uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Can you kind of update our listeners what you're hearing down in uh, CBJ? Yeah, so we're now in the spot where teams, especially getting close to opening day for some teams, I think it's Thursday for the Blue Jackets, are trying to finalize their rosters. Um the Blue Jackets are looking to move a defenseman, sources say. Uh, they've engaged in trade dialogue with a number of teams around the league in the past uh, couple days. And the thought process is they'd like to create some roster flexibility. Uh, everyone has asked, well, who does that mean is out the door? The true answer is the Blue Jackets themselves don't know. Uh, they're fielding calls on on some of the guys you know, toward the lower end of their depth chart. Uh, think uh, Bokvis, think Jake Bean, think Peak, um, guys that they're just they're trying to gauge everyone's value and then they're going to make a decision. So they're pretty open minded, but they would like to get some flexibility in their lineup if they can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in your uh, article with the yeah, 32 bold uh, predictions, is there a couple that stand out besides the Connor Bedard uh, 100 point plateau, Frank? Well, I said. Uh, Keeping it in the Connor theme, I said Connor McDavid, he will become the third fastest player in NHL history to a thousand points. Okay. He starts the season 150 away. I think he's going to have 163 this year, <laughs> just to pick a random number. And that means a clean sweep again in the awards with the Hart, the Ted Lindsay, the Art Ross. And I also think the Rocket Richard, I think he goes back-to-back 60 goals, which would be the first player since Pavel Bure, 1993 and four. There's a lot happening, a lot to unpack there, but that's how I see uh, McDavid's season. I also picked Jay Woodcroft to win the Jack Adams. Oh, cool. Uh, 
One question I would um, pose to Mark Spector just before you, uh, Frank, is do is there a team that's ahead of the Oilers and when you look at the top six forwards, is there a team that you would say uh, maybe on par or do you think the Oilers have the best top six in the league moving forward here? I think they're pretty close. I think if everyone's healthy, the first team that comes to mind that sort of might be able to give them a run for the money is Tampa Bay. When you've got Kucherov and Point, and Point had mm-hmm. 51 goals last year, Stamkos, um, I just think – after you get past those three, though, is where the Oilers really have a significant advantage in my mind. Um, Colorado, the first thing you think of is is McKinnon, Rantanen, a 50-goal yeah. season last year. The Dallas Stars had a 100-point guy in Jason Robertson, and I predicted Rupe Hintz will get to that century mark this year. Probably, like, maybe Toronto. Like, they're, like those are the only yeah. other teams that are in the discussion, I think. And after that, it's it's probably still just the Oilers when you have the two best players in the world. It kind of makes up a big chunk of your top six. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Frank Saravalli on uh, Sports 1440 this morning. Um, so just by looking at all your projections, Frank, that would you say that you're going to expect total offense in the league wide, uh, across the league, across the board? Do you see the offense uh, jumping up uh, quite a lot from last year? I don't know about a significant jump from last year because we're talking about basically a 20-year high. So I'd expect it to continue along the same pace. Um, and I think part of the reasoning for this is is kind of simple. It's twofold. One, um, shooters have a, just a significant advantage over goaltenders right now. For the longest time, it was the other way around. They've figured out that making these guys move laterally is the key to success. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is I don't think that coaches yet to this point, and maybe we're on to something with part of what we talked to Jay Woodcroft about a couple weeks ago when I was in Edmonton and this idea of a zone defense, which Calgary is also switching to goalies haven't adjusted and coaches haven't adjusted yet. Could we see that pendulum swing back the other way this season? Maybe, but I think it's going to take some time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Frank Saravelli on Sports 1440. Uh, I, I went to the game on uh, Friday, Frank, when Seattle was here, and I uh, actually had seats right behind Jack Campbell. So I watched him very, very closely uh, for one period that I was uh, sitting there. What do you make of, uh, of how he's played in the preseason, and where do you see him moving forward here uh, as far as what the what the options that Jay Woodcroft has in goal between uh, uh, Skinner and Campbell? It's easy to say in the preseason, but he's looked confident. I think he's he's looked sharper. He's looked like he's moving more simply or with more fluidity. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. But I've said for a while now that I think the biggest thing with Jack Campbell is is right between his ears. Mm-hmm. It's it's all mental. I don't think there's really anything technical that stands out for me as something. There was an equipment snafu that Mike McKenna at daily faceoff our starting goalies analyst was able to identify kind of early in December as something that needed to be fixed. It was, but he's a guy that's always been so hard on himself. He's been his biggest critic. You can tell his body language is different when he makes a mistake or lets in a goal. And if he can solve that part of it, which isn't easy to do. And a lot of times with a lot of guys, that's a big hang up between being an NHL goalie and being a junior goalie 
or being a, a guy in the minors is you've got to find a way to move past things. And if he can solve that, the Oilers have some incredible flexibility in net where they can keep everyone fresh. You know, Ken Holland mentioned something along the lines of a 45-35 split. I know that only gets us to 80, mm -hmm. but that seems kind of ideal. And, and here's the best part is it's not contract dependent. It could be Stuart Skinner, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see Jack Campbell get the opening night start. Give him the ball, let him run with it, let him feel confident. And if he drops it, you know, you've got Skinner right there waiting. Mm -hmm. uh, three games on the uh, NHL docket uh, today to kick things off. Nashville at Tampa Bay. Uh, you're at Pittsburgh for the Hawks and Penguins and then Vegas and Seattle. Uh, just a kind of an odd question, but the Nashville-Tampa Bay, is that a 3.30, well, I guess 5.30 Eastern start, 3.30 here. Um, kind of an earlier kind of game. Is there a reason for that? Uh, they're trying to stagger them out so that it's actually um, just a triple you have header. Continuous hockey throughout the okay. day, yeah, yeah. So kind of a, a, a different kind of start time uh, for Tampa Bay. Uh, how do you see things playing out in Vegas, uh, Frank? I mean, defending Stanley Cup champions come in with uh, a very solid roster. Um, no one really knew how they could do it with the goaltending that they had last year. Sean Burke did an amazing job with all the goaltenders uh, in in Vegas. But how do you think uh, see things playing out uh, with the defense? Stanley Cup champs? I think they're going to be strong. I think they're missing some pieces. I think not that many people have talked about Riley Smith and his departure. Um, I, I think they've done a good job trying to keep everyone together. Barbashev coming back was a big deal. I think they've got two really talented goalies. I think their defense has size like it did last year. Um, I think they're in a really good spot to try and compete. My thing is, it's just so incredibly hard to do it back-to-back. -back. It's so rare to see it happen that the odds are kind of stacked against them. But look, this is a team that one year prior to this missed the playoffs. And I can't say enough about their coaching change and the system and style that Bruce Cassidy implemented. I think it was a huge difference maker for the Vegas Golden Knights. And a lot of that personnel is back. Jack Eichel mm -hmm. took an incredible step, but they've got some... Uh, you know, some things to shore up around them that I think could make them even better. So watch out. Uh, just one quick one then with this kind of Oilers and Vegas um, kind of storyline coming forward here, Frank. Uh, I've kind of said that the Oilers need to have a little bit of a hate on for this team already. I've said this for a couple of weeks now. Uh, you can look at the uh, uh, Petrangelo slash on Leon Dreisaitl in the playoffs, but do you think that that's kind of a storyline where the Oilers have to kind of uh, say enough's enough? We got to we got to go through these the Gold Knights to win. So is there is that a, is that am I making too big of a deal out of it, or, or what do you think there to kind of have a little bit more of a hate on for this team? No, I don't think you're making too big of a deal out of it. But what I would say is that um, I think they have some of it already. Okay, I, I think the way last season ended, what they were feeling. Um, I truly believe that they were as broken and dejected a team as I've seen. That's going to fuel them. I mm -hmm. think it's fueled them already. And I don't think you can criticize the Oilers in the sense that go back and look at the records regular season. They've kind of had Vegas's number. So it's not like they haven't gotten up to play them. So um, I think they've got, I, you know, this is going to sound funny to say, I don't think the Oilers are discriminating this year. I mm -hmm. think they hate everyone equally. And I think that's a pretty good place to be because they know that 
it wasn't necessarily the Vegas Golden Knights that got in their way last year. In a lot of ways in that playoff series, it was themselves. Mm -hmm. They beat themselves at times and made mistakes that they didn't need to. And the Golden Knights were very opportunistic and capitalized. And that was the difference in in what ended up being a a series that was a lot shorter Mm -hmm. than I expected to be in terms of what it meant for the Oilers and losing back-to-back games for the first time in two and a half months. It was kind of an, a, a tough way for your season to end. Yeah, for sure. One uh, just quick one on the Phillies, Frank. I mean, that's a, this is a titanic series with Atlanta, man. It's going to be a heavyweight boat to, right to the very end. What do you make of it? Yeah, um, they let one get away big time in game two. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had an opportunity to really put uh, their cleat to the throats of the Braves up for nothing. You know, your pitcher is dealing in Zach Wheeler. You have an opportunity to just get through the seventh without a major mistake. And, you know, even then up, uh, you know, one run in the eighth, Mm -hmm. uh, three runs, excuse me, in the eighth. They had a chance to really close that out, go back to Philly up to nothing and only need to win once uh, in their two home games to move on. They can still do that, win twice, win both, but – um, this is a really dangerous Braves lineup. Yeah. Are you going to be able to get to a game? Uh, I'm going on Thursday, yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll talk to you about it on, game four. on, on Thursday. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks uh, a lot, Frank. Uh, enjoy uh, uh, Connor Bedard uh, and uh, Sidney Crosby tonight. Have a good one, Kevin. All right. That's uh, Frank Saravalli, our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason that they call them Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.com. CA. Frank gets to do a lot of neat stuff, doesn't he, Duke? I mean, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go to game four. Yeah, right? You know? Well, it's like like he, he has said over the past couple of weeks, like there is no better place to be and no type of fan better to be right now than a Philly sports fan. I mean, obviously the Flyers aside, but the Eagles continue to roll. The Phillies very easily could be on the brink of a, a back-to-back uh, appearance in the American League Championship Series, uh, if not for that great comeback last night by the Braves. And then the 76ers, I mean, there's a little uh, yeah. you know, uncertainty around that with the James Harden situation. But uh, Philly sports fans, Frank has said it, they're great. They're ruthless. <laughs> yes, People have their uh, individual opinions of them, whether you're maybe a Cowboys fan or a New England fan or something, you might differ on some of that. But uh, yeah, they're great, and the city's probably just a buzz right now. So yeah, I was lucky enough when I was doing Oiler games, uh, filling in on color with Rod Phillips. And, you know, I would zip into uh, Philadelphia a couple of times, and and I mean, the fans there are just bananas. I mean, you even you go out for like a you know a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. And people are just like, I mean, it, it, there's a TV on everywhere and it's always on, you know, one of the, it's almost like Chicago in that sense. You know, back in the, in the nineties where the, the Hawks were on fire, the Bulls were obviously on fire. Uh, same thing in Philadelphia. It's a, it's a neat, neat sports town uh, for sure. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a little uh, open uh, text time. A few texts coming in to one 401 Victor says, tell Frank to cool it with the Bedard Kool-Aid, LOL. <laughs> well, I mean, he's going to be a good player. We all know that. So uh, anyway, uh, top of the hour, Grant Fuhrer, our co-host. Uh, he's getting ready for the big season debut for the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds coming up on Friday when they take on Bakersfield. So uh, top of the hour, uh, we'll uh, check in with Grant and he'll co-host uh, the next to two hours with us. So uh, still a whole lot more to come on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us.
All right, welcome back to the big program, 843. Uh, looking for a high today in the capital region of about 23 degrees, man. What a, what a weekend. Just unbelievable weather that we've had uh, the last few days for sure. Uh, text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. The hammer usually he just texts us on Thursdays when Ladislav Schmid is here. Uh, <laughs> hammer says uh, Hughes a Norris Trophy, LOL. Laddie has a better chance this year. So the hammer just coming at it with Laddie, and he's not even here to defend himself. Uh, Glenn says top five forwards look great on the Oilers, saying six including Brown? Question mark. Ask me again in twenty games. Unproven how he fits to me. Um, well, they've really shown some good chemistry so far with uh, Connor McDavid and and uh, and Connor Brown. So we'll uh, we will see exactly where things shake down from there. Uh, so Duke, what uh, kind of caught your eye in Major League Baseball I, right now? I mean, Arizona up two nothing on the Dodgers. Uh, they win it last night four two. They're kind of you know they're manufacturing runs. Um, they're getting guys over, uh, you know, like from second to third and scoring them from third with, um, you know, they, like they've sacrificed. They've, they've got guys uh, uh, buying in, and their pitching's been good. I mean, Zach Gallon was good again. Um, their closer, Paul Sewelt, coming over from uh, the Seattle Mariners, has been very good. Um, the Diamondbacks, are they for real? Duke. Do you think they are? I don't know. They're certainly looking it through whatever four playoff games here. And, I mean, game one of this uh, divisional series against the Dodgers, it was uh, what we've almost come to expect from Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs. Oof. He's one of the best pitchers of his generation, but he just can't seem to to put it together come playoff time. And uh, and as a result, it's the shortest start of his MLB career, just one-third of an inning, and, and the Dodgers get blown out 11 to the final. But you have to give credit to the D-backs for basically everything that you said. And we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, uh, like Gabby Moreno with a, um, a, a home run in Game 1, Lourdes Gurriel another one. They're, they're contributing, like they're getting contributions mm-hmm. from throughout the lineup um, and being able to manufacture runs as a result of that, like, in, in that game one, yes, they scored 11 runs off of a ton of hits, but uh, of those, how many were home runs? They hit four home runs on 11 runs. That, that's not a crazy high amount. So they're doing it in a few different ways um, and just getting after the Dodgers, who came on so strong in the back half of the season. They look like maybe the only team that could really slow down the Braves, but now they're on the brink. Um, and the, the, the bullpen for, for Arizona, dynamite again yesterday. So Gallon went uh, five and a third, gave up two Ernie's, um, had four strikeouts. But then um, Saul Frank comes in, Thompson comes in, Ginkle comes in, and Seaweld nails it down. I mean, if you don't, you, if you don't follow baseball closely, you don't recognize a lot of these guys on this team. Um, we actually, well, we know a couple because they came over in the Jays trade in Marino and Guriel Jr. Um, I don't know. And Corbin Carroll's a phenomenal player. He's probably one of the top young up-and-coming players. Fast, great arm, um, fields his position exceptionally well. Um, but they've got other guys that, you know, like Christian Walker had a heck of a season. Um, 
But other than that, you, you probably don't know a lot of these guys. Evan Longoria is a, a very old veteran kind of guy that had great, great years and uh, contributed a lot to the San Francisco Giants and the success that the Giants had uh, in the playoff. Um, the shortstop, um, you know, they've got uh, Perdomo. Yeah, he, he's like sacrificing every second at bat, it seems. I think he was right at the top and sacrifice bunts and things like that over the course of the season. But the other thing here, I mean, the Dodgers, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, they've gone silent. Uh, I think only one hit between the two of them so far in the playoffs. And I think it might have been an infield hit now that I'm kind of trying to remember from Freddie Freeman. Mookie Betts has got no hits. He went 0 for 4 yesterday. Um, the, Dod- the Dodgers are looking like they're going to go out here on a, on a whimper. We'll see exactly what happens in game number three. But um, Team Dean sends a text in to one 401 What's your opinion on Korea and the Twins using Pitchcom to signal the pickoff on Vladdy? My opinion is no different than what the Astros did a few years ago, Team Dean. Okay, well... Let's kind of talk about this, Duke. So I thought it wasn't uh, on a, necessarily on the pitch comm. They had it sort of, a, um, you know, a signal, went to the cap, um, basically looked at Korea, looked at, uh, uh, um, at the pitcher, pitcher tapped his cap and said, okay. And according to that was uh, Alex Rodriguez said, okay, once he takes to the, the mound, gets to the set position, after they've signaled, Wait two seconds, turn around and fire. I mean, this is kind of the first I've heard about on this on the pitch comm. Did you hear anything on that? No, I hadn't heard a lick of this. I, I was on the same understanding as you, Kevin, that it was uh, the the key basically on the sign was uh, the touch on the hat, which is a uh, about as like going back to my little league <laughs> yes. days was uh, back when the, my coach shot a Chance Martin basically was having a steal a base on every pitch, and it was if you're if my arms are crossed, that means steal. Every every key almost starts with touching the cap, but let's assume that Team Dean is correct in saying that they were using the pitch comm. He's comparing it to what the Astros yeah. did, which I think is. Kind of flip side, basically, because what the if this is the case, the Twins are doing it. It is well within their rights. The pitchcom yeah. is designed to replace um, traditional signals from a catcher uh, between the legs to avoid sign stealing. And there's uh, I can't remember the exact number how many players on the infield are allowed to have the pitchcom in as well, so they know what pitch is coming basically to arrange the field accordingly. And so if the catcher say puts that sign on through the pitchcom, then they are completely well within their rights. If Correa has the earpiece in and he gets it, okay, well, that's this sign's on, then I don't see anything wrong with yeah. it. It's, it's basically the opposite of what the Astros were doing, in my opinion, because the pitch calm is to help, A, speed the game up, but also avoid sign stealing. Well, Team Dean sends another text and says, the pitch calm device is in the cap. Yeah, we've got that. Uh, Korea admitted it. One infielder has the device to set the D. When we know that too, mm-hmm. and I know sometimes they give it to the first baseman, uh, but of course the shortstop being uh, kind of the the quarterback and and the marshal of the infield, it makes sense that he would have it too, depending on your your team's um, layout. But yeah, like I said, 
it, I don't have a problem with that at all because it's well within your rights of using the pitch comp. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not talking about banging garbage cans in center field and, and things like that that the Astros they're not do. They're not stealing yeah. signs. That's what the Astros were doing and yeah. using a very uh, advanced and technologically sophisticated way of doing it and then transmitting that to the batter in yeah. the box, right? I don't know if I even like the pitch comp, to be honest with you. It, it seems to not work half yeah. the time. And like I, I get the point of it to try and speed the game up where it's just click, Pitcher hears it in his ear, yes. And, I mean, you see guys like Chris Bassett that call their own pitches uh, for the first half of the season anyway from the belt. Uh, Then the catcher catcher has to respond to it to his own earpiece. It has its pros and its cons. Uh, I think it's still in the early phases of getting kinks worked out, so I'm not going to write it off just yet. But I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, for me, I like the old-fashioned way with the signals. And, you know, I like when, uh, you know... uh, uh, Yadi Molina and all these guys were painting their nails, you know, orange and yellow so the pitcher could see him better. I kind of like that. Uh, you know what, Frank is Frank's correct in saying the, the Phillies really let one get away. You go back to Philadelphia up to nothing. Now the Braves have some life. Um, it was two runs in the seventh and two runs in the eighth. So it was 4 1 uh, game in the seventh inning. And the Phillies had the opportunity to really put the screws to the Braves. But big home run, couple big home runs, I think, for uh, the Braves. Um, yeah, Travis Darno hit one in the seventh yeah, and then Riley, uh, Riley yeah, in the eighth. Yeah, so... Two shots each. Yeah, so Riley was the big, big one, in my opinion, to kind of, you know, that... It, all the momentum switched at that point when... Uh, basically, when they got Wheeler out of the game... You know, he went six and a third, had 10 strikeouts, uh, Zach Wheeler did. Um, he was perfect through five, was, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, Minter came on and got the win for Atlanta, and Iglesias, again, bullpen did the job this time around for Atlanta. Um, I don't know if that series, I, like, I think that goes, that's going five, I think. The Dodgers won't go away quietly. Or no. pardon me, the, 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 the Braves. The Braves. Yeah. Uh, well, and, they, and they showed that last night, right? And and now they have to go into the bank in Philly, which is a hostile environment. But they're a World Series champion team. They know what it takes. So, yeah, they're not going not gonna to go lay down just because they're on the road now. How about Kyle Schwarber? He's batting 235 in the playoffs. That's like about 50 points <laughs> higher. <laughs> it's 50 points higher than what he did in the regular season. What? Just the most <laughs> bizarre stat line for a regular season you'll ever see. He is he is defying yeah. metrics, basically. What did he have? Kyle he Schwarber. had 40-some home runs. And he's batting like 150. Yeah. Like it's, it is. And leadoff. <laughs> you know, why? You know, it's just like, you know. And, you know, Trey Turner had a – he was kind of had an off-season – when you look at uh, comparing his stats uh, over the course of his career, came on at the end of the season, had a really good uh, final couple of months. But, Matt, I mean, the Phillies fans were booing him. They wanted, you know, the big contract. They wanted nothing to do with him uh, in Philadelphia. But they got such a stacked lineup. I mean, th- I'm surprised that this series isn't going to be like, it's going to go five and it's going to be like, you know, eight, seven, just because of the way the games are going. Uh, when we come back at the top of the hour, he's back. Grant Fuhrer checks in uh, as the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds are getting ready for their season. And Grant uh, is the uh, color analyst, and uh, he's our Tuesday co-host on the Kevin Carey Show. We will check in with Grant at the top of the hour. First up, uh, 
Sports 1440 update brought to you by Cattail Crossing. Enjoy half-price golf Monday to Thursday. Elevate your game without emptying your wallet. Book your tee time today at cattailcrossing.ca. Here is the Duke.